Welcome to episode 172 of Coffee Pods and Watts. As always, this episode is sponsored by Rain Bodyfield, the ultimate fitness focused drink to support your performance. And the Hybrid Academy are also long term sponsors. The Hybrid Academy.store is the website, and you can use Pod 10 for a discount there. They launched their hats this week, so you can head over there, <laughs> head over there, um, for a look and nab a last minute Christmas present or a little something, something for yourself. Um, the show is also sponsored by Burbox Coach Development. It's an online and in-person seminar course, which is crossword preferred and is aimed at improving coaches by examining the psychological side of coaching. You can use the code PODS for a discount on burboxcoachingdevelopment.com. Uh, there's a giveaway uh, happening now on the show's Instagram page and on Facebook. Um, the closing date is today, Friday. If you go to the show Instagram at, at Coffee Pods and Wads or search it on Facebook, uh, you can win a six month supply of rain, a hundred pound voucher for the Hybrid Academy, a year's supply of grip tape, um, a duo of Costa Rican coffees from the best roasters in Ireland, Sumo Coffee, uh, a pair of Series 3 uh, Escape Sound headphones, a month of programming from Underdogs Athletics. So it's a huge prize. There's six gifts, six winners. So go get some. Um, RPM are also sponsoring our run of episodes here um, we just had their founders on on Wednesday talking about the launch of their Atom uh, training program it's a unique program designed by and coached by Taz and Pat Barber um, it's built around your equipment or equipment packages that you can buy direct from RPM the program also has a video, video element uh, so you never have to train alone with your thoughts and your garage and your breath again um, you can go to rpmtraining.com to trial three months of the programming for free or you can browse their equipment packages and just dive in head first um, as well. Today's guest is Sean Sweeney. We talk about his recent retirement from the sport, his love of coffee, his days selling, well, he can tell you about that one himself, uh, joining the Navy and finding his feet in coaching and training to be his best. Um, we also talk about his cowboy way programming, which I actually dipped my toe in this week and I really enjoyed. Um, I like the style of it and Sean's gone out of his way to give coaches notes and feedback and he messages everyone, which is really great to see. Plus they give uh, give back a percentage of the profits to members, so they buy equipment and stuff like that. We talk about all that in the episode. Um, enjoy, listen, share and tag. Thanks for doing this Um First of all, I really appreciate you taking the time out. Um, yeah, thanks for having me on. So, this is this is uh, one of those that's been a long time coming. I was like, oh, I, I was searching for, I was checking earlier on to see if I had sent you the link to the uh, interview, and I searched like your name and my email. So, the third of March, twenty twenty, was the first time that we emailed. Um, and there's been like a lot of times since then where, like, I feel like you're a giving guy, and then almost like like too giving to a point where there's a lot of like yeah i'll definitely do it and then like when you say that one too many times it's like something's gonna slip through the cracks so i'm glad that i that i got you um yeah man, I, I, think, did, I definitely sorry it's been such a long time going but no the these but. these long ones these long ones are always uh they're always worth the wait i find um so no i i'm uh i'm delighted that you're on it's great um one of the things that i that kind of I think the the original way I reached out was we have the same coffee machine. Um, uh, so the you're Breville, in, the Breville espresso machine. Yeah, you're in America, so yours is a Breville, but I'm in Ireland, so mine is a Sage. Um, so it's the same thing, just different name. I think so. Like I think you can get a Breville here, but from looking at like you, your kitchen when you're making one, it is it like absolutely identical in every way. So I assume it's just a copyright thing. But um, yeah, so I was curious. Then are you like? 
are you big into coffee or are you kind of like whatever i can get my hands on i'll throw into it and make it no not at all dude i'm significantly into it yeah for sure so we we uh my wife and i actually had a mobile coffee shop so we started a, a, a coffee shop up in the top uh, upstairs loft of our gym and then we bought this 66 airstream and we retrofitted it to make it a mobile coffee trailer and then she was doing that mostly full time and then we had i think at the, that time we had two gyms and the coffee trailer and it was just like so much going on and it was pretty much got to the point where it was like okay well, we need to decide if m is gonna run full time with this coffee trailer and not be in the gym or vice versa because it was just it was too much to try to do both and uh obviously the gym won out m you know we're both extremely passionate about the gym and coaching and everything so uh we sold the the airstream that avion is a 66 avion is fucking sweet man it was a badass is that like event. is that like one of those um like the noble airstream that was at the games that year that kind of silver the, the metal thing. the silver yeah exactly yeah. and except it's a 1966 so it's an old one and we re- okay. refurbished it wrapped it and it was really cool it was it was awesome we went to events she had a daily route um it was really fun man we really enjoyed it but we did some we were really lucky here in reno at uh, old world coffee there's the guy who owns that chris garrison he's a uh, uh world-renowned um roaster barista coffee fanatic he hosts sca events like the special okay. coffee association events he's like one of the best roasters in the world and um he's local in reno and only an hour away from us so that's where we buy respect i'm drinking some coffee right now um so we go and he gave us like he came out and gave us the full like i guess uh like a huge instructional piece on coffee in general uh and then also the flow of our airstream setup like in the bar in that travel trailer like setting up for the best flow how to get the best grinds the heat the elevation the fall times the i mean literally everything so we kind of nerded out there and now that's what we do uh, at home uh we have the so we have the espresso machine um we do lots of like pour overs we have french press we just ordered this other bad ass new set for one of our wedding gifts we got a, a pretty sweet pretty big gift card to uh one of the uh you know whatever one of the high-end stores uh around the william sonoma deal and so we uh just bought this fucking phenomenal led super high-tech grinder burr grinder like commercial grade burr grinder and then this badass automated pour over system um that's not just like a typical drip coffee maker, but a little bit more sophisticated than that for like, so it's like yeah, yeah. Yeah, an automated pour over. Uh, and it's super, super, super nice. And that should get here by the end of the month. So I can't wait to try that out. Um, what kind of pour overs do you do now? So right now I just typically will use like a Chemex. I'll use the Chemex in a kettle uh, and go that route. Um, but have you got one of those um, gooseneck kettles? Yeah. Yeah. yeah is it is it one of the specific heat ones you know where you type in your no this you know, you, one's you, not no this one's this one's a little bit cheaper yeah i had one of those i got one of those for christmas one year and it worked until 
I remember it was like the middle of February and then just nothing happened. So then I just had a kettle that was supposed to, like, I just had to boil the kettle, pour it into this gooseneck kettle and then be like, I don't know, I'll wait like two minutes and then like pour it out. So yeah, it lost its appeal pretty quickly anyway. So I think the more high tech it is, the more chance there is of something going horribly wrong. Um, But yeah, no, there is, there's something very satisfying about uh, having a full gooseneck and pouring it out and it, like no matter how high you tilted it just like trickles out the exact same amount all the time it's crazy it's freaking sweet man i love it so yeah, yeah we, we're big we're big coffee nerds that's cool um and podcasts then so you've you've been doing the rounds recently um since you're i well, i'm assuming a lot of people were as surprised as i was um you're it's really going to be hard not to say retirement every time we talk about it. You can say retirement. So oh yeah, we can say retirement. Yeah, you're you're um, so you've been doing the rounds since then. Um, is like doing interviews because I know we'll 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 talk more about you and more about, I guess your place in the sport and stuff in a while. But I think like you're uh very outgoing, and I mentioned like that you're very giving like you know you seem like someone who says yes a lot and i know that you're you give up an awful lot of time to fans and stuff especially at events but like is doing interviews and doing podcasts is that something like you enjoy doing or is it something that you see as like part of like part of the job or part of like if you want things to grow that's what you have to do um so i the only one of the only things i'm good at is talking so i I love i love talking uh and just being on and doing stuff like this so i know i do like doing it as well um, but then same thing, it's kind of a double benefit is that number one, I just enjoy doing this, uh, you know, and kind of just chatting and giving some content for people to listen to, you know, cause hell we're all CrossFit nerds. And, uh, I know when I was, uh, up and coming, that's what I did a lot of, I was listening to, listening to people talk about what they did. Uh, I think it's adds a lot of value to other people. I like to do it. And then it also benefits, uh, as far as brand awareness for my program and myself. So as well as the, you know, the, the podcast host and all that jazz. So it's just good all the way around. There just literally is no downside um, to doing it. So yeah, I don't, I don't view it as a pain in the ass or a, I guess job at all. Like yeah. it's pretty fucking cool as far as I'm concerned. Uh, present, present company excluded. Do you, do you know, uh, I listened to, um, uh, matt uh josh and savan once and they were talking well i listen to it regularly but they were talking one time about um being asked to do podcasts and it was so funny how quickly the mood in the conversation changed from like everything was kind of like chatting and joking and then like suddenly josh and matt were comparing stories of like you know fucking hell man i went on a podcast once and it was the worst hour i've ever had like like matt was like i went on a podcast once and i emailed them afterwards and asked them to re-record the whole thing because i just couldn't let it go out the way it was it was like both of the both of their stories were basically essentially the same where someone was like oh i really want to do a podcast they kind of didn't know any better so just said yes blindly and then midway through the interview it became apparent that the person at the other end had done no preparation at all i was just like so how are you and you know it was just like nothing nothing going on like so whenever whenever i'm talking to people i'm always conscious of like that those podcasts exist as well um so yeah i like i i guess i try to distance myself from that type of uh fair but i know they're out there so i think it, like there's always a danger that when you're saying yes to podcasts that you'll end up on something where it's like five minutes in you're like oh fuck this was a major mistake right yeah no i don't i don't think so as long as in the as long as uh 
I think that's also up to whoever's talking. Like it's also, you know, the interviewer. So your, your job um, is to kind of have your structure of what you want to cover and have your outline and direct the conversation there. Uh, it's, but it, it really helps if the other party. So like in this instance, me um, kind of knows what they want to talk about as well and what points they want to bring up. So I think as long as if like for me, if there was a, terrible interviewer uh, i feel pretty confident that i can kind of lead lead the you know not you you're just fine so we can kind of lead the reins there but i mean hell yeah no there is there's definitely there are people who you speak to and like i think within about 15 seconds of talking to you i was like this is gonna be fine like even if i forget where i'm going halfway through it's gonna be fine because you can tell when the other person starts talking that they're you know the tap is open like it's it's just gonna keep coming Whereas there are some times where you ask them a question and they, you know, there's a still to answer where you're like, yeah, it's like, uh uh-oh. But yeah, that doesn't, uh, pardon the pun, but that doesn't seem like the cowboy way. Um, Speaking of uh, the cowboy way, you, so like usually when I interview someone, when I'm researching them, I have to, you know, go on to several uh, different websites and outlets and stuff and like search loads of different things to to get what I want. You have, without question, the most detailed CrossFit Games uh, page, like open page I've ever seen, like bio I've ever seen of anyone. So it's like when you click in, I was like clicked into it and there was like five lines um, at the start. And I was like, oh shit, like he really put effort into this. And then it was like, read more. And I was like, there's more than five lines. I was like, usually people just have like their hometown written on or whatever. I clicked down and it's like a full like, first chapter of a biography. Um, so thank you for that, because that made my job really easy. The first thing that stood out um, on it was, uh, you mentioned roping and rodeos from like six years old. Yeah. Um, so I suppose if people are following you, they'll have seen you doing like rope tricks and stuff on your Instagram and on like competition that you visited Instagrams as well. Um, you did that at Filthy, I think. Um, so how, like, how does one get into that is that a familial thing is that like your dad did or your uncle did it or something like that or is it something you gravitated towards yourself no hell no i was six years old when i started i wasn't going like listen ma hold my shit i'm going roping <laughs> you know no, so, uh, my when my parents so my mom and dad split up when i was five and they both remarried like within a year um and so my mom married my stepdad who's the cowboy and my dad married my stepmom, and they're up in Minnesota. So I kind of had like two separate sets of families. I had my cowboy family and my city family. So the cowboy family is where I lived here in Fallon. So this is where, um, with the cowboy family, is where I spent you know ninety percent of my time. Uh, and that's yeah. So he he roped and taught us how to rope and ride. And we were yeah we had a straight up country upbringing. Like we. It was it was crazy, man. I mean, it was great. It's the best way. I think it's the best way anybody could possibly ever grow up. Um, but like, we weren't really allowed inside when the sun was up. Uh, if my parents were super strict at first, like because there was work to do on the ranch, so we were building our, which is now this amazing ranch, uh, which is like world class. But when they first bought it when we were kids, it was just like. 40 acres of weeds and sagebrush and bullshit. And so we, as kids, like we literally dug every single post hole by hand, 
got the wheelbarrows with the concrete and fucking nine miles of hose and mixed all the concrete, poured all the post holes, did all the fencing, cleared all the brush, built all the stuff. I mean, it was, it was pretty significant. So that was a lot of time. So like if I wanted to go over to, let's say I want to go to your house when I was in fourth grade or whatever, I would have had to schedule it to where your parents called my parents, set up the event two weeks in advance. And I can only do one event every two weeks. So it was like a fucking serious, uh, strict deal. And do you ever think that your stepdad maybe just married for the labor? That he was just like, I need right. some kids. <laughs> <laughs> may have. No, he's uh, he's super cool, man. He really got a. Um, he was he's a he was a hard dude growing up. So we definitely had. There was no bullshit for sure. It was it was some tough love at times, but he uh, yeah he he's an awesome dude. And, um, really helped us in like, you know, hell, Taylor taught us so many skills and how to work and uh, all the, you know, horsemanship and how to rope and how to work and then also how to work and then not be lazy and how to work. <laughs> and so we did, did a lot of that and which really paid off, you know, uh, yeah. in the long run, it's, it's, it's really great. So, um, but then I would spend like Christmases and summers uh, sometimes up in Minnesota with my dad and stepmom up there. And in Minnesota, they live in Minneapolis in the city and uh, in the suburbs, but it's all compared to what I'm used to. It's a fucking city. But they're, you know, really into like fine dining and um, kind of like very metropolitan stuff, you know, like going out to dinners, going to shows, um, the etiquette of table. We golfed a lot, all the golf etiquette. So really got exposed to a lot to where I can go and kick shit and chew Copenhagen. It's like, it's like you're the, the town mouse and the country mouse, like all at once. Like I'm picturing you yeah. like rocking up to Minnesota with your hat and boots and like getting it knocked out of you over the course of two weeks and then turning back up at the ranch in like a tuxedo with a dicky bow and then getting <laughs> that knocked out of you in a couple of weeks. Nah, you learn, you learn to transition it pretty good. I can turn <laughs> it, I can go one or the other pretty quick. Yeah. yeah. Um, you, uh, the Navy is also mentioned in your um, autobiography. Um, and I was curious, like, what made you join? So, like, if you're, it sounds like from growing up that you had, that work ethic was very strong and that, like, uh, put up and shut up seems to have been the the motto when it came to, like, doing work, like, that you, you know, you almost should be grateful that you're getting to do it, I guess, like, that it, there was no bullshit accepted. So is that, like, did that kind of, sort of maybe subconsciously steer you towards the military, do you think? Fuck no. Dude, I was always the absolute most rebellious dude. So like up until my parents were like that crazy strict until I was like my freshman year in high school. My when I, As soon as I started my freshman year in high school, I was a goddamn nut job. Dude, I used to – so back in middle school, I used to, uh, I used to sell uh, pornos sell pornos booze and weed and uh so i would back then before the freaking internet you could sell a porno for 50 bucks so i had this one guy who would steal all these pornos from his uncle and i'd buy them from him in wholesale and then i'd sell them to kids that people would save up their lunch money and i'd sell them for like 50 bucks a pop no shit and back in middle school and then one day i'll never forget it megan Shear. She outed me in class and opened up my my uh, backpack with all my pornos that got confiscated, and it was catastrophic business wise. But <laughs> never forget it. I'll never forgive her either. It was catastrophic business wise on social suicide. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 that was good. They just knew. Everyone knew I had the pornos. <laughs> so, um, but 
I really like when I turned 13, I just like pretty much decided I was like, okay. I, I was, uh, oh yeah. I used to, and it goes way, I used to have this whole business. I used to steal mass quantities of booze and resell it from places and all sort. I was just a little fucker. And, uh, I was always going out to party, wanted to go out to parties and I was kind of like just the wild man. So I remember, and I, I just, to this day, I don't know if I actually had the conversation with my parents where I just decided I'd be curious. I'll have to, I'll have to ask them, but I just remember being like, all right, this is what I want to do. And there is literally nothing in the world that can deter me from doing that. So, and I was never disrespectful. I was never a little asshole to my parents or teachers, like all my teachers like me um, and all that jazz, but I was definitely on my own fucking program. And so I just decided like any ass whooping, I'll take it. Want to try to ground me? Give it your best shot. Like I will take any sort of punishment because it's worth it. Like, the fun is worth it so then they kind of loosened up there's like well this is fucking pointless like this dude is just a goddamn madman um but then my teachers like i never went to school like in, in my high school is dude my high school experience was so different than most people's i think like i legitimately only showed up to like 90 total days of school my junior and senior year um, and I, the, they would never report me absent and stuff. I flirted with the attendance ladies. They loved me and wouldn't report me absent. All my teachers, like my teachers, they kind of knew the drill. I'd be like, I'd sit in class for like 10 minutes or so. I'd be like, I think I've had that for today. Like, I think I, I, I'm, I'm gonna head out guys. Like, and I'd bring them every now and then I'd just like bring them some donuts or like, was just, I was just cool. Some, some bornos or a whiskey dude, or whatever. Me, yeah. They just let me do my own <laughs> shit. And, uh, then my little brother, his best friend was when I was a senior, was a freshman. And I used to just, he was like my little brother's best friend. So I'd pull him out of class, but I wouldn't pull my little brother out of class. Cause like mom will be pissed if I start making, you know, have my little brother skip school. So I'd go and pull Braxton out of class and we just go shooting rabbits and just out hunting all day and drinking beers and fuck. We were just a bunch of degenerates. But then, so I go, so my high school was just like, absolute fucking chaos which was so much fun i loved every second of high school then uh and i was always relatively smart like i was in the kind of like the accelerated programs um i was in like senior math when i was a, a freshman or sophomore and um i was always relatively like intelligent but i never did any school work ever and uh, i fucking refused to do homework and stuff like that and so uh went to college and i went to isu in idaho i have no idea why i went there and uh i only showed up to a grand total this is this is serious in my freshman semester i showed up to nine class periods nine like sessions is all i showed up for and i had like 27 parking tickets because I had this huge truck. It was massive, massive 97 F-350. And uh, I'd park like over fire hydrants. I would uh, park on, because like, I'd get tickets no matter where I was at because I didn't fit in the spaces. So I was like, fuck it, I'll get creative. So I'd like, I had racked up like thousands of dollars of parking tickets and only showed up to nine class periods. My dad had paid for the school semester. And we, I just was like, yeah, this isn't going to work. Like, I'm definitely not going to do the college thing. So I was like, well, I'll just go to the military then. And uh, I went to the Marines first and uh, walked in. I said, yeah, you know, I'd like to join the Marine Corps. 
which is core. And, you know, it's fucking retarded. And what, anyway, so and so they like, just turned you turned you around straight no, away. And was like, no, like, sorry, you like, said it wrong. They're like, nah, you look like you're in pretty good shape. Like, how many pull ups can you do? I, was like, I don't know, like close to thirty or so. And they're like, bullshit. And I was like, all right. And they have a little pull up bar in there. And like, do do pull ups. So I do a bunch of pull ups. And they're like, oh fuck, you got to be a marine, hoorah, you know, whatever. And uh, um, I'm like, all right, hell yeah, cool. And uh, so then they're like doing all the questions and. I just thought this shit was normal. So they're like, um, so have you ever, uh, you know, been arrested? Have you ever smoked weed? Have you ever, uh, do you have any tattoos? Like all the normal questions. And I answer them honestly, you know, and they're like, yeah, dude, you can't be a Marine. And I'm like, okay, I know the answers to these questions. And I go next door to the, uh, uh, the Navy office and they're like, Hey, you look like you're in pretty good shape. How many pull-ups can you do? I'm like, fuck, here we go again. So do a bunch of pull-ups. They're like, dude, have you ever thought about being a SEAL? And I'm like, what is it with these fucking questions? Like, no. Have you ever thought about being a manatee? Like, I, I, I don't know. And uh, uh, I was like, that's just fucking weird. And they're like, no, it's the hardest thing you can do. You got to, you know, you got to do it. And I was like, all right, I'll do it. So then I looked up what a seal was and figured out what a seal was and everything. And um, so I went off to Bud's and uh, yeah, so I went off and did that then. And that's kind of how that started. So it was literally how that happened is I just was like, I, I despise school for whatever reason. I love learning um, in practical settings. I fucking despise. I hate it. I don't know. I'm way older now, obviously, but I did not like institutionalized education at all. I, it was just so hard for me to take it seriously. Um, but if that if you if you don't like so I mo, well most people anyway their issue with institu- institutionalized education is like the structure of it and that it's so like in, enforced and that it's so like uh, unwielding I suppose and that it's like you have to be there at a certain time you have to finish at a certain time you have to do certain things at the certain places at certain times that you're there during the day like surely the military is like the last place someone like that would want to go who doesn't like institutionalism or like structure and routine and stuff. So it's not the structure and the routine. It was just the, it was, it was the uselessness of it that got me in it. And that's to be, you know, everybody's got different opinions on that, but I feel like school in general does not teach you any, like almost anything that you need to know in life. As far as I was concerned, the the main thing that I took from school was how to navigate socially. Like you have to know how to flirt with attendance ladies and get them to not report you missing. You got to know how to, be able to skip class and to, you know, with bullies in the, in school and how to deal with that, how to navigate any social structure like that is what was important to me about school. Like I haven't learned or I didn't, haven't used jack shit of what they teach you in, you know, just public high school. You mean you, you don't need, you don't use Pythagoras' theorem like twice a day. Like I do no. Yeah. So that's the shit is cause like the, I, I love learning. Um, like I love learning, about things that are pertinent to me. Like if school would have had how to do your fucking taxes, how to start a business, how to apply for grants, how to uh, do literally anything that is actual real in life. I think that I wouldn't have had an issue with that, but the Mm. just pissing in the wind, I'm just not a huge fan of pissing in the wind. Um, And was it a big adjustment then when you, when you uh, did go to buds, was it like, no. Like, so did that, you, that did was... you realize pretty quickly where the line was and that like, so okay, the... say, like say if you were at home saying to your parents, like you can ground me, you can do whatever you want. Like I'm not going to stop doing it. Then when you go to the Navy, I assume pretty quickly you had an understanding of like, 
okay, like that's probably not going to fly here if I start saying shit like that to people right. that are in charge. Oh, yeah, for sure. So I mean, it's all it's all about it's all about your intended outcome. So with the Navy is like, I, I wanted to, now that I signed up and I wanted to go through and become, you know, the seal and go through buds, um, then I have to do everything that it is required and it takes to, to do that. So I had no issue. I, I actually excelled in, uh, in buds. Uh, that was, that was something that I actually really excelled in. Um, yeah, I was our, one of our boat crew leader and like, uh, yeah, for nobody likes buds, like shit fucking sucks. But, um, yeah, that was something I definitely excelled in. And it's just cause you're part of this group. You have all sorts of like-minded individuals that are super motivated and tough dudes that are, you know, working towards the same goal and you make light of it and you have fun as much as you can have fun in that scenario, you know, like it's just this, it's a different, it's a different feel. So I actually really excelled in that and because it was going to something that I wanted to do. And then, but I, so I, I, uh, there's like, in, if you're familiar with buds, uh, and that, that training, I guess there's a, like kind of like the crux of the training is the uh, hell week is kind of like the main separator yeah. or whatever. And getting there is a real bitch. Um, you know, it's not like it's the first thing you do, like you're, you know, it's a wide a ways in. So you get there and a lot of m- most people actually quit before hell week even starts. Um, but I, I broke my foot two days before hell week started on the last evolution on Friday. And so I broke my foot and, uh, I called my mom and I was just like, and so they secured and we had Saturday off and then we secure, uh, on Sunday, like midday on noon on Sunday or whatever time it was, um, go into the, the room and then they move into the tents and break out and then hell week starts and all jazz. So I broke my foot and, uh, on a run, it just like, uh, like a bad stress fracture is just over repetitive use. Just that, um, I can't remember like called the keystone bones in your foot. One of those just metatarsal, one of those. Yeah. Yeah. One of the keystone bones just broke, uh, while we were on a long run and foot swelled up like a son bitch foot and ankle sold up like a son bitch. And, uh, obviously hurt real bad and I was, couldn't walk on it or nothing. And I was like, fuck and called my mom, told her what's going on. And I was like, well, if I go to medical, they're going to, roll me back and I have to restart all of this shit again. And I was like, I do not want to do that. And, uh, she's like, well, then it's mind over matter. You just go fucking, just got to go do it. And, uh, so I had my, I had to like have some buddies help me kind of waddle into the securing room. And I was like, I was just panicked. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I can't even fucking walk. Like, how am I supposed to do hell week? And, uh, they moved us out to the tents and then, you know, all the breakout started. And as soon as that started, like everybody has very different reactions. Like one dude straight panicked, got up and ran and ran straight towards the ocean. Um, Like there was, it's just, it's just chaotic, but everybody's brain like handles that stress differently. And for me, it was, it was very odd. It just felt super cheesy to me. Like my brain like downplayed everything. So it was like throwing flash brain grenades at us and spraying with fire hoses could have expected that like my brain like slowed everything down and then it was just a very odd it was so weird um because it's not like i'm some crazy tough guy or something like that but as soon as that breakout started all like time slowed down and like turned into like comical almost and then my foot stopped hurting like my brain like turned off the broke foot like broke foot no longer hurts it's no longer an issue it was crazy. And so, um, 
as the week progresses, it obviously gets it's crazy fucking hard. And uh, there was one point I almost quit. I not, not actually no, that's not true. That wasn't during Hell Week. That was before Hell Week. That I almost quit almost during a surf torture session. I fucking hated the cold water, uh, but I didn't. And then, and Hell Week once it gets over, it's secured on Friday. So it's five days after it was secured. Uh, you get your brown shirt. Everyone's all fucked up. I lost like 35 pounds during Hell Week or some crazy ass shit. I looked like a, a like a Holocaust victim or something like that because I couldn't eat. I was for whatever reason, I couldn't eat. And then they will give you like shakes and stuff if you're um, not eating well or not getting enough you know, food in and you whatever can't eat. And I would just puke everything up. It's if I drank anything or ate anything, I just puked it up. And so I didn't really eat for the majority of that time. And uh, um, after it was over, I was all fucked up. Everybody's all fucked up. And as soon as I secure it, you get the brown, you get your brown shirt and a box of pizza. And as soon as I picked up my brown shirt and my box of pizza, my brain was like realizing, okay, you just made it through. Like now we're going to turn back normal functions. And all of a sudden my foot just excruciating pain again. I was like, holy shit. Like it was incredible. It was like my brain just like had this like switch and it was like the broke foot switch, turn it off. And then as soon as hell we secured, your fucking foot's broke again. And so I went to, uh, medical and you know you didn't get rolled back but once you go through um hell week you don't have to ever do it again so i got rolled back and now with a you know, as a brown shirt you get treated a little bit better you have more time on your hands all i had to do was go to physical therapy for a couple hours a day and this one's a super long story so i'm going to give you the one second condensed version whiskey and women got the better of me and extracurricular activities wrong bottle of whiskey wrong wrong woman and uh um Long story short, I didn't get in trouble or do anything like, you know, fuck, it's not good. It was some weird, it was just a weird, any any sort of, I didn't even get in trouble with anything in the law or anything like that. It was just that any, anything that got reported that was alcohol related uh, was an immediate drop from training. And so I got immediately dropped from training. And then I went into the regular Navy and I fucking hated it. Every second of it. I hated it. Um it's just very exactly. different. Was it was it like too easy? Do you think like was it too? Was it not? You had gotten used to the more intense version. Do you think or? Well, it was just working towards a goal, and you know, and, and I guess it's not not nothing. You know, nothing against any anybody in the Navy or Armed Forces whatsoever. But that just wasn't what I had wanted to do. You know, what yeah. I mean, what I wanted, like what I'd set out to do, was very different. Obviously, I'm the one that fucked that up. It wasn't anyone else's fault but mine. But so when I went to the Navy, it was just like I would. And I've always been able to kind of finagle my way around. So I um, basically started CrossFit programs because I found CrossFit. After I'd gotten kicked out of Buds, I went to uh, the A school, just like the regular Navy school, and met a guy there, Ryan Smith, who was on the team that won the CrossFit Games in 2010 for Vancouver. And he was in my, my class in A school. And he, I was in pretty, you know, for a normal human was in good shape and, uh, he was in massively good shape and he, and so we actually didn't like each other at first. We were kind of like two guys that were kind of like just measuring each other up, you know, we didn't really like each other at first. And he's like, Hey, you want to try CrossFit? And I'm like, fuck no. Like absolutely not like i'm not doing your zumba like you have any idea what i bench press you know like one of those things and 
finally I was like, all right, I'll just go shut this dude up. I'll go, you know, uh, go do some, go do some CrossFit. And so I go do a workout with him and I got absolutely train wrecked. It was a workout with like pull-up squat cleans and rowing, I believe. And I swear to God, I thought I was having a heart attack. I thought I was dying. And, uh, he fucking smoked me. Like, obviously he's was good at CrossFit and I was brand new and I'd never been beaten so bad at anything physically since I'd like, you know, I'd become relatively fit. It was, it was incredible. And I was like, well, if you can beat me this bad at this, I need to be doing this. So I just started training with him every single day. So I went from doing no CrossFit whatsoever to training with him every day. And he was, you know, past games champion on the team. And so his volume was high, his everything was high. And so it was the worst possible way to get indoctrinated into CrossFit. Like my body was so fucked up. I didn't have any overhead mobility. So my shoulders were just absolutely cooked. I never squatted. I squatted like once a fucking year. And so when I started CrossFit, uh, my bench was 340 and, or 335, whatever it was. And my squat to full ass to grass depth, 185. And so, dude, for like two months, my legs were so goddamn sore, I couldn't drive home someday. So I had a, I have my daily driver at the time was my Mustang, which I still have, but it's a stick shift. And there were some days where like my legs were so fucked up. I'm like, I do not feel safe driving. I don't feel safe driving. Like, I don't think I can fucking drive the stick shift. And <laughs> so I just remember how horribly sore I was, but that's how I got started in CrossFit. And then legitimately since then, that was, we just passed 10 years ago. So that was October of 2011. So it's been 10 years and a month since I started CrossFit now. And I've just never once stopped. So once I moved from there, I went to the, uh, went to some aircraft carriers and, um, I, you're definitely not allowed to, but I like super finagled my way. Long story yet again, I've lost those, uh, finagled my way to bring equipment onto the aircraft carrier and strapped down to the hangar bay. Once they kind of find out, they almost threw my shit overboard, but I got, I was kind of like in with some of the higher ups that I was helping with some fitness and, um, they let me keep it. And then I finagled this, my job away cause we didn't do fuck all. And so I was like, I'm not just going to sit here and stare at, stare at each other. Like, let me, give me this task. If this, so I basically started the head crew. So we had this huge birthing, uh, uh try to use, we had this, uh, our division, our group of people in our, let's say our workshop. Um, and we all share this living area and the head or the bathroom, the head, and we were failing the, the head inspections, like, like crazy. And we had like a, a big birthing. It was like 150 man birthing or something like that. And so, um, I told, I think I went to my, uh, my chief and I was like, or my LPO, whichever one it was, doesn't matter now. But I was like, Hey man, I can't just sit here in the fucking magazines and do nothing all day. Like I'm going to lose my goddamn mind. So I was like, put me in charge of getting this head together and I will spit sign, spit shine this son of a bitch. And from now on, we will get nothing other than excellence on our inspections. And if I fail, if we get anything less than an excellent, excellent, I'll go back down and sit in the magazines, but let me do that. And then I'm on my own schedule. So I would muster with everyone and stuff, but then I was in charge of cleaning the head and I had like four other guys that were with me. And then we just trained. I just trained all day. Like, so I would wake up and muster in the morning. We'd have cleaning stations. And from then that's when the whole boat like cleans. And I would just do like 
depending on what I had to get. So the first two weeks I did like, you know, full days of just massive, insane cleaning and uh, maintenance and stuff like that to get it up to, to where we needed to be. And then after that, my normal schedule, I would clean for like two or three hours hard in the mornings. And then I would train and then I would go out and train and then I'd have lunch, take a nap, go back, train, muster, have dinner, go back, train, take a shower, go to sleep, do it again. And I just fucking trained all the time. And so that's how I kind of like really, really started to get into competitive fitness. And then it just kind of kept evolving. And then once I got out of the Navy, um, then I took that on full time. And then I surprise like impulse didn't plan on it but found out about a gym that was for sale in my hometown and owned it in the same day worst business decision of my fucking life but um then moved here to fallon and uh asked my now wife to move here with me i'd only known her for two months and i have no idea how that worked out so well but it did work out and we've been doing that ever since so it's just like i just went all in on it just all in on fitness Oh, when when you so like when you were uh, trying to get into seals, your main aim was to get into seals, and that's what the driving force was. And then when that was kind of taken away, you kind of lost your your love of it a bit. Like, what was the aim with fitness? So, like, uh, were you training in your head? Were you training to be as good as Ryan was? Like, was that the thing, or did, like, were you did you have aspirations of like, oh, I could go on a team, or did you have aspirations of I could go on my own, or like, what was the plan? Like, for someone who's uh, goal driven surely there must have been something specific in your head when you were doing that yeah I wanted to be uh, so I wanted to see if I could make the CrossFit Games and my legit goal was to be top 10 at the CrossFit Games that was my lifetime goal uh, which I did not achieve um, but so I just was training like a madman and then I was going to train full time and then I got out of the Navy and then I impulse bought that gym and so then I had to do that well can't say had to, I got to do that. And, uh, so we did, we, the way that my, at one point we had 10 gyms, we've had two gyms. Now we have only one gym, which is fucking amazing. We started out with just one gym. It's just, a, it's been a long process, but, um, once we started that, I found my, like, obviously I love training and competing, but my true passion is coaching and helping others with that. So, and I think I'm, I'm much better uh, of a coach than I am an athlete. I'm an, I'm an all right athlete, but I think I'm a much better coach than athlete. Uh, and that was always priority number one. So I want, then my kind of, instead of like, okay, I'm going to be the best in the world at CrossFit. Um, my goal was I'm going to be as good as I possibly can without sacrificing the business and helping others with their fitness. So, uh, I mean, our schedule was just like anybody who's opened a, a CrossFit gym, I'm sure, unless you're made of money and can hire coaches and everything. We, my wife and I coached every single class, every single day. We hand vacuumed and hand mopped the gym every single day. We got up at 3.45 and, and headed to the gym and we were not home till 9, 9.15. And we cooked dinner, sleep a couple hours, do it again. Like how I even made it to the CrossFit Games on that schedule in the in like 2016, not a fucking clue. Like, I feel like if I had that schedule now as being, being 30, I'd just expire. I'd just die. That's it. So I have no idea how it worked, but it worked. And, you know, that was just part of that kind of hard work and putting your mind to it. And uh, so my goal, once I qualified for the CrossFit Games, like, oh, I want to do that again for sure. 
And I, then I set that top 10 goal and uh, kept doing that. And I think that my, it's just, it was such a bitter, bittersweet year. This, this last year was my, I knew it was going to be my last year. And I, I was in the best shape of my life. Um, I think I had some sort of potential chance to get into that top 10 uh, this past year. The other years, no, I wasn't ready yet. Uh, but this year, I, this past year in 2021, I felt like I had a real shot um, to do that. At the West Coast Classic, we had that insanely stacked field of athletes. And yeah. there was like 13 or 14 of us that were all games games vets or something like that. It was fucking crazy deep. And uh, um, I ended up taking third, and that was by far the best uh, physical performance of, of my life. And then at the games is when I got sick. Uh, I got a sinus infection and upper respiratory infection and the flu all at once. And I, I was fucked up and, uh, that took away my, you know, shot to do that, which was a really bittersweet time. Cause I, I really, I, I truly believed that I could, I could have, could done, have done that. And now we'll never know, but who knows, man, maybe, Maybe here, um, my wife and I are working on. Hopefully, we'll be uh, having some kids here soon, and then maybe, um, you know, when I come back to competing uh, at the CrossFit Games level, uh, I plan. I know that it'll be. I know for sure I'll do the Masters at 35, uh, and I'll before then I'll still do one-off competitions. Like, okay, I'm just going to go train and do the still do the you know the elite division and try to play with the big guys. Um, in, in some of those events, but I'll just like pick and choose. All right. So this year I'm going to yeah. do this event. I'll ramp up my training a few months in advance, hit that event. And then, you know, then I can come back down, but it's not a full year focus on that training, which is a, a big difference. It's a huge time commitment. So, uh, but who knows, man, when I'm 35, you have the option to go in the regular division or the master's division. And, I think if I, you know, at that point, if I was and who knows, like, it's just going to get more and more competitive and I might not be physically able to compete with those guys at that point, who knows. But if I had that option, if I was 35 and, you know, I qualified to go individually, okay, I, who knows, maybe I make an appearance again after a five-year break at the individual division. Maybe I go into the uh, the 35-year-old, the regular games, uh, the master's uh, division, who knows, but... I'm definitely coming back to competition just because I, I fucking love it. I just, I just love doing it. And was it like, so if, if you knew in advance of the games this year that it would be your last games, you know, like for a while anyway. So like, obviously everyone wants to go out on their own terms. So then when that's kind of becomes apparent that that's not going to be the case, how, like were you, was your determination for it, for the break enough to get you to take the break or was there any kind of back and forth of like oh well fuck i mean that's the best i felt in years and it was kind of taken away from me like i can do one more and you know like next year like from next year on i'll i'll take a break like you know that that's not fair that that was the last one well so it's but you got to think too is it's not fair to uh, so it's just it's just so much there's so much more than it's just so much more than that end result is that it costs like, dude, I, I lose 20 grand a year of competing is what it costs me to compete. Um, cause you got to think every single time that I go to a training camp, um, every single time that I have to get the gym covered for anything that if I'm traveling for competitions, every single time 
I've got to go get, you know, more body work done. Um, it's not like I'm, nobody's covering that shit for me. So there's all the expenses that are included with competing travel, food, fuel, plane tickets, lodging, all of that shit. But then also getting the gym covered because I don't, we don't, my wife and I, we don't pay ourselves shit from the gym. You know, the gym covers our expenses, but it's not like we pay ourselves salaries or something significant like that. So we don't make much money. So when we leave and we have to pay our, you know, fill in coaches to cover those classes, it's, it's that adds up as well. So it really, it really is just expensive and it's really tough. Like Emily has been extremely supportive and such a uh, champ through all of that. And it's kind of the, the thing is, is it's, it's really been the Sean show, you know, because everything is sent. Our whole life is centered around me competing in CrossFit and I, as much so as both. I mean, it's not, it, it was, it's time for her to where it's not, the focus isn't like, it's, it's time that we had a, a little bit of a life to where, in fucking May or June, if some of our friends like, Hey, let's go to the lake. Like I can go to the lake. Like I'm not training that day. Like, Oh, mm -hmm. you want to skip this, you know, skip training on Friday and Saturday and go on this little vacation. Absolutely. You know, that hasn't happened for seven years that we've been together. So everything has been, it's been really tough because, because I have such a priority with the gym and coaching and then uh, now the online business, that stuff's not taking a back seat. So it's just the training is added on to that. So then our free time is nothing. We had we, no free time whatsoever. And that had an expiration date. So I was getting, if I was, you know, and if I would have been making, if I would have been making, you know, 200 grand a year competing, we probably would be at a different story because now that's benefiting mm -hmm. everybody. But at this point, me competing was like being an everyday Joe that just had a really fucking expensive golf addiction. Like at some point, your wife's gonna be like, "Stop buying brand new clubs, goddamn it! Like you're not going to the pros, you're not making money doing this. Why are you doing this?" Uh, so I think it, at some point, it was a con conglomeration of like I was ready to shift gears, and because my my real true passion is coaching and helping others, being able to launch this online program and effectively, you know, be able to help positively affect thousands of people worldwide. That's something that's such a cool opportunity for me that I'm, I'm really, really excited to be doing now. So I was really ready to make that shift to go chase that dream. I was also ready to, I was getting, I won't say burnt, I was getting a little burnt out of the amount of time and effort put in for the amount of reward. Like I was at this very weird tipping point where it was like, yeah, I need to either choose to commit all of my time, sell the gym, sell everything and train full time to try to be one of the top guys, you know, in the top five uh, and really make some significant income that way. Or I need to take time away from training and really chase the business side because I can't just stay in this limbo. Um, so, I mean, it was, it was, it was a really, I really enjoyed the run that I had and it was a very necessary thing for me too, is that, you know, now if I've launched this online program, there's a reason that people would want to be on my program. Uh, it's not just like I'm some Joe Schmo that just created an online program. Come follow my program. Like, why the fuck would I like, what have you done? Like what legitimacy do you have? So I feel like I've built up, you know, not as much as others as some people, but I'm not like I was the champion of the games or something, but I do feel like that I have uh, built my brand 
well enough to warrant some validity and a little bit of carry some weight with why somebody would want to come onto my program. Uh, so not at that time, I think it, it's all about paying your dues, you know? And I feel like me being a CrossFit Games competitor was obviously not financially rewarding. It was very physically and emotionally and it was rewarding in that aspect. But I think the biggest thing that that did was it allowed me to build my platform to now chase this next endeavor. Yeah, like it's something that I was I was going to ask you about. So like the CrossFit Cowboy is someone that people will probably, even if you're even like even speaking from personal experience, I wasn't familiar with who Sean Sweeney was, but I knew who the CrossFit Cowboy was. I wasn't I didn't know who who you were. I wouldn't I wouldn't pick you out from a lineup when I first got into CrossFit, but I knew there was some dude going around in a cowboy hat and like, you know, it, it stands out. So it like you 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 see the the hat you hear the nickname and then you start becoming aware of like who's behind it and i was curious like was what like was there a point where like oh shit this is like a recognizable trait or like it's becoming a trademark or it's becoming a brand and like did you like consciously start building a brand around the moniker one thing once things started to get moving or is it something that just kind of snowballed into like say more recently thinking like, well, shit, I mean, I could roll the programming around like what I've, what, what I've become known for, I guess. No, actually that was my mom's uh, call. She actually is like, you should put your hat on uh, back in the 2015 regional, 16, 15, 15. It was, yeah, my first, my first individual re regional. Um, yeah, my mom totally did it. And I, I actually wasn't really for it. I'm like, no, it's, I don't want to be douchey, you know? And I was like, and, but it's just like, cause it, it's not like for me, it's just my hat. It's my, like I was a cowboy. Like it's my hat. It's not like it's some fucking gimmick or something. And, uh, so many people that you do that, like in sports or in whatever, a lot of people will wear the cowboy hat and are on a TV show and they're like, Oh, I'm the cowboy, but they're not a fucking cowboy. I was like, I don't want to like look like that guy. You know, I don't want to come off like that. Some shirtless wearing a cowboy hat and doing thrusters like, you know, and I was like, you know what? fuck it. It's like, that's just who I am and I'm just going to do it. And, uh, and it's the best thing I ever did. And thanks to my mom. Thanks mama. So yeah. And then it just took off from there. Exactly. Cause then it was separate. Like it, we're just all a bunch of in shape, freaking similar looking dudes. And how do you stand out from that? And that was one way to kind of stand out and it just stuck and I rolled with it. And it, I, I don't know, man, it was really cool. So it was, once that once that happened, then it was like, okay, this is my thing, and I'm just gonna keep rolling with it. And I think it's a really cool thing to always circle back for because you know the cowboy mentality is uh, like not not gimmickly speaking, but like if you're if you're if you're someone if you're a real uh, cowboy, if you're a rancher, a rancher, a farmer, or whatever, if you're in that mentality, they kind of share a lot of the similar traits that are really. Um, there's, well, they have some good traits and some bad traits, but the good ones uh, are really good. You know, the work, work ethic is incredible, not bitching and complaining, uh, getting the work done with no excuses, having fun while you're doing it. If you ever been to a ranch, those guys are grabbing us and just joking around, like giving each other shit and making every situation as fun as possible. Like, hey, man, you can be shoveling shit and miserable or you can be shoveling shit and be happy. So that's something that has been really um, a big, I think it's as much as like the cowboy hat started out as a marketing tool, 
it's also a reminder to kind of like work hard, but also enjoy yourself while you're doing it. So it's kind of, it's, it's a really cool, it's a really cool implement that has kind of evolved over the time. Yeah. Like work hard and enjoy yourself. So I like instantly what sprung to mind there when you said that was, uh, my living vicariously through your Instagram stories of like fucking dune buggies going through the desert and camper vans and like mini houses and stuff. So like you're, you're, you're definitely nailing the, the enjoyment. I'm like, I'm keen to see what you can do with more free time. If that's, if that's the kind of stuff that you were able to fit in with limited resources when it came to time, uh, when you're competing, I'm excited to see what you can do, uh, from now on. But the cowboy way is something, uh, so it's, it's your, your programming, but it's, I suppose it's something that's been like built up, especially since it's launched, it seems to have like gone, uh, into kind of a, a a larger entity maybe than I don't know if it's bigger than you thought it would be but it, like it seems to have grown immeasurably from where I'm standing where I know at the start you mentioned that you wanted to find a way to give back to members and to give back to to uh, cowboy way community members I guess and like the stuff that has been given back is pretty fucking ridiculous like so I kind of thought like okay I mean how much money would you need to take in in order to give back like something substantial but like there's people getting fucking gym packages like travel expense covered like competition entry covered like I'm assuming this is going back to what you were saying about how much money you were essentially hemorrhaging while competing that this is coming from someone who was an athlete during a period of time where sponsors weren't always readily available and if they were it wasn't necessarily financial backing that people were getting unless they were in like the top 0.1 percent or whatever is this like your attempt at an antidote for that yes yes Uh, so yes but it's i think it's more than that i think that it's easy to lose sight um, of what CrossFit is about as a competitor. And when most people think of CrossFit, CrossFitters, they think of the CrossFit games for the most part. Um, and the, the biggest thing that the reason that CrossFit is a successful entity is for the core base. And that's the 99% of us. Okay. So if you will call the 1%, it's less than one, but We'll, we'll say 1% of CrossFitters train full-time exclusively. That's their turning and trying to make that their livelihood. Those guys are going to find a way. But I feel like I wanted to do something that really appreciated our general population, which is fucking everybody that keeps this machine ticking. Like that's why CrossFit, if, if we were only focused on athletes, there would be no CrossFit affiliates ever. Like CrossFit affiliates are not made up of athletes they are made up of people that want to get in shape and better their lives. And I think I really wanted to do something that would benefit that core group. Now that's, that's a a symbiotic relationship because like you said, if we're taking 20% of that income and giving it back to the members in order for that to be substantial, that 80% is substantial, which is also a big reward. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's not like I'm just some Friar Tuck or something that's, you know, not taking any, any, uh, reward for this either. Like, I hope that this makes me financially stable, um, at some point as well. Uh, and I think that it, I, I truly believe that it will, but that's, I feel like if that's less of the focus, a lot of the times when you focus on helping other people, 
that in turn that comes full circle and really helps yourself. Like the most generous people on the, like that I know, uh, typically very successful people are very generous people. And I, they're not necessarily super focused on their personal profits, but when you really help other people and you benefit other people, typically that, that does come back to you and it, it benefits you as well. So I wanted it. I think that there's a, a big business opportunity and there's a big, I guess, responsibility that I feel like to give back to our core base that helps us. Like imagine going to the CrossFit games with no fucking fans. That would suck. You know, and I did that. I did that in uh, the 2016. Uh, they flew us out to the ranch. And that was my rookie year of the CrossFit Games, by the way. Holy Christ, that was a rude awakening. Um, one of the most, I was so fucked up. But out there at the ranch, there's no music. There's no spectators. There's no nothing. And, uh, you know, everyone's like, oh, that's so cool. It's all, man, fuck that. It was terrible. Shit sucked. Like, the fun part of being on the CrossFit competition floor is being in front of the crowd, for me anyways, it's being in front of the crowd, having the energy, having, being able to, you know, shake hands and sign posters and, you know, affect other people, make people smile, take pictures, like that whole vibe is only possible with the community. And as currently, there is nobody in our space that is giving back to that community. They're just the draw. They give, they give, they give. They they buy the noble bullshit. They buy the fucking Reebok. They fund the tickets to the games. They subscribe to your podcast. They Those are the people that are making the entire machine work. And I feel like everybody is just like riding them, riding them hard and putting them away wet. And I really wanted to be able to give back to those guys. So like right now and and that those guys is a very broad audience to where on you know my program the cowboy way is designed for everybody except games athletes now that does not mean it's not a competitive program i get my ass and i've been doing this for a long time my program is extremely difficult just like every program is infinitely scalable if it's done well uh, and it has the stimulus approach and how you should scale your weights or what weights you should use, what implements you should use, how to approach the workout, all that stuff. So I have people on on the Cowboy Way that are extremely good athletes. Um, you know, I, I do it personally and I'm a relatively good athlete and I am extremely challenged by it. And then we also have people who just started their CrossFit journey. So it encompasses everybody. But if you're going to be, if you're one of the 0.01 percenters that wants to you know, you're going to pour your life into making the CrossFit Games. There's no templated program on the planet that will work for you. Comp Train, Misfit, Mayhem, no fucking templated template program is going to get you to the CrossFit Games or is going to get you to your true potential. Like if you really want to become a focused athlete and put that much time and energy into it, you need a personal coach. You need a one-on-one coach. You need to talk to that bastard every single day, multiple times a day. He needs to write the training for you, with you, about you. Everything needs to be in full contact. Like, it, There's no template program that would work for a CrossFit Games athlete. So I don't think my program is any different than any other templated program in how good or bad it is. I won't say, hey, the Cowboy Way is a better workout structure than Mayhem, and Mayhem's not better than mine. They're just different. I mean, if anybody who's good at programming can write a good program at this point, this day and age, like we've there's enough knowledge, we've been around it long enough. 
lots of people are good at this. The difference is what is your program doing for you? And no other program is doing shit. And I can't, I'm, I can't believe that other programs. So think about it this way, man. If I get a thousand members, okay, if I get a thousand members on Cowboy Way paying 29 bucks a month, that means that I'm getting $29,000 in income per month. I'm going to do the math so I don't fuck myself up here. So if I'm doing $20,000, $29,000 a month in income, if I have a thousand members, which I think is totally fucking doable, and I'm going to give 20% of that back, that means I've got $5,800 a month that I can kick back to members. So that means you could, if you're on my program, you read, you know, you're like, hey, man, uh, really would like to go to Guadalpalooza. I just qualified in the scale division or the intermediate division or fucking RX, whatever. Who cares? I qualified for Guadalpalooza, would really love to go can't quite afford to make it work. Like, is there any way you could help me out? You bet your sweet ass there is. There's 5,800 bucks that's sitting there that's exactly for things like that. And what do you need to do in return? Not a fucking thing. Like, no strings attached. This is just here for you. Like, this is just part of what we do. There's no, there's no, there's no hidden agenda. Like, that is literally what it is for. And I can't wait, man. And I feel like that's a self-propelling machine as well. Like, the more we're able to do that, like, can you imagine the optics on that for me personally as a businessman, the optics on that, that is, it's just like every company has a certain amount of their budget that is set aside for marketing. But now this marketing is creating lifetime customers that have insane loyalty and buy-in because you just provided them this huge value that is supersedes what they have given. So like, for instance, the people that I've sent, I sent a fucking Echo bike to Germany that was so much more expensive than I thought. Drew a name out of a hat. I'm like, I'm going to send an echo bike to someone. Drew a name out of a hat out of all of my members. Fuckers in Germany. And it cost me so much money to send it there. But I did it anyways. And uh, most expensive echo bike on the planet. But um, so I sent it there. And that person, to that point, had paid a grand total of $29 to me. And I sent them an echo bike. And the people that I just had sent out, they maybe they remember for a, a few months, and I sent him a robe kit or uh, the, I sent, you know, the gal to the TFX and booked her plane tickets and stuff. It's like right now they, I have provided them with more financial income than they have provided with me from, and they have on the workout program. And it's like that in itself is so cool that I feel like that's, that's marketing in a nutshell. Like I feel like that's more important than making a cool ad on Facebook and generating new leads. Like, creating that legitimate authenticity and personal connection of helping someone, I feel like is so much more important. So long story short, I love it. I can't wait to be able to spend six grand a month on rowers and sandbags and D balls and plane tickets to all of our members. Like that's my fucking wet dream. I can't wait. And then obviously if we get to that point, then it'll be a pretty cool financial reward for me as well. But that's, that is secondary. Like I can't wait to have the athlete fund bank account just be fat and just be sending shit out left and right. Like I can't fucking wait. That's going to be so cool. Yeah. I've had that before where someone wins a competition and you like look them up and then you're like, Oh fuck. They're in America. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like, I can't do the draw again. Like, so it's just God I said it, I guess. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's, uh, that's great. I think it's definitely one of the things that like, so when I saw when I saw you launching the program, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's cool, that makes sense." And then I kind of like lost over it. And then later on, I was kind of looking at something else. Uh, you, I think you put up 
I don't know, did you put up a picture of the gym, the rogue pack that you're talking about, or did you, there was some mention of it anyway on stories or something, and I was like, what is this? And, like, clicking in, I was like, oh, fuck, okay, like, yeah, that's, like, it is different, as you say, like, I think, um, yeah, there, there's a, there's a definite scope for, for more of that around, I think, and, it, like, like you say, it makes good business sense, because you, you do, you develop that loyalty, you develop that, like, word of mouth, like, people will talk about that, like, and even if that one person says, like, the guy in Germany or whatever is saying like, Oh, this, they sent me a, a, an echo bike, like tells five of his friends, like even if two of those friends are like, well, fuck it. Like I'm going to sign, I'm looking for programming. So I might as well sign up for something where I could get something back rather than just like an endless $30 a month going in or whatever. Right. Um, so yeah, it, it's very, it's very clever. Um, I can't let you go without talking about filthy. Um, so you made quite the impression, um, when you were here. So you were here for the announcement um open announcement um and for filthy 150 as well um in in november whenever the fuck that was feels like about 25 years ago that was 20 um, i want to say that was 2019 yeah it was just before um yeah the uh, shit hit the fan um so what, what like one of the things that really stood out um and it's it's one of the things i think throughout your career has drawn me to you and like has has you know, you as you mentioned, you're you're a like you're in the zero point one percent or the the one percent or whatever um, as an athlete. But I think it's like the the biggest draw for me is always like the person behind or the or the the showman or the you know how how that person engages. Like obviously, I'll respect the athletic endeavors of someone who doesn't fucking talk to anyone, goes out fucking destroys things and then like leaves without talking to anyone again. Like I'll respect the athletic prowess of someone who can do that. But I just think the personable, uh, element is like, it adds a cherry on top, I think. And all the athletes that I feel like I'm drawn to have similar, uh, I guess time for fans, uh, and energy to, to expend on fans and to give on social media or to give at competitions or whatever. But I think like you always seem to go above and beyond, of like not just like oh, i'm just gonna hang around and say hi or whatever you like wait until like there's nobody left or you'll you know like a lot of people might go and like high five like two people and then like just leave be like fuck off i've got another workout in 25 minutes or whatever whereas like you know i remember you handing out like <laughs> signed pictures of yourself at the hat filthy so like yeah. like is it like are your memories of coming to ireland because i know you've got irish heritage as well is that like was that uh, a large portion of the reason behind it or was it because of um i suppose the opportunity to engage with people who you know like how many irish people are going to go and get to go to the games or how many irish people are going to go and get to go to an event in america which might be down the road for you but it was like transatlantic for us i guess so the i guess so i i just got i reached out to the reason how i got to ireland obviously i've always wanted to go to ireland um, as being an Irish guy, well, I have an Irish heritage. I'm obviously not from Ireland, but have an Irish heritage. Uh, I've always wanted to go to Ireland. Uh, but the big inciting event was when I got asked to come and do the open announcement in Ireland. And which, honestly, I've done two open announcements live. And somehow they pick my, by a landslide, my worst events of the fucking year. The both times, the first one was in Ireland. They picked a thruster and pull up event. I'm t- goddamn terrible at thrusters, and I was like, "You've got to be shitting me!" And I'm going against Travis William, who's a thruster fucking maniac. And I'm like, 
naturally. And I beat Travis, I think, in every other fucking open workout except the one I got to do live. And then same thing with the uh, the the next open announcement that I did with uh, Ben Smith and Jay Carroll. That was by a long shot the worst. I, I was like top 40 in every other open workout that year except for that one. I was like 300th. And I was like, you've got to be shitting me. They just like, they're like, no, we need, we need this one guy to really suck at this open announcement. They pick me <laughs> fucking thanks. At least he's the comedic relief. But, uh, so uh, I, I got the invite to come to Ireland and I was like, absolutely. I'll go do that. Like that's ever, like, I don't know for me, that was always been a dream is to be able to do an open announcement. Like, that's like something I really, really wanted to get the opportunity to do. So when I got to go do it, it was fucking awesome. And, uh, the Irish, like, I don't, I don't know, like for whatever reason, the Irish community and audience and me had this just like weird connection. I don't know if it's because I'm Irish or because like personalities matched up because like everybody in, that I met in Ireland was super upbeat. Like it was so much like the energy was fucking crazy. And so they're at Bua and we went out and we all drank beer and ate pizza. I remember whatever we went to that huge fucking pizza joint. It's got boxes that are like, I don't know. We had so much fun. I drank way too much beer. It was a goddamn blast. But it was such a cool experience. I met so many cool people. And I was like, I have to come back to Ireland for the competition. So I came back for the Filthy 150. Uh, and same thing, dude. It's just like, obviously, I love I like, people are people are good in everywhere, no matter if you're in Ireland, South Africa, Brazil, wherever, everyone's got their own kind of vibes and stuff. But people are just People are cool in general. People are fucking cool. Like, especially people who come to these events, we all have share the same passion. And to be able to like give back to those people is awesome. So for me, that's the most fun part of competing. Like I said, is interacting with the fans and the crowd is the fucking bread and butter. And I truly enjoy doing that. Like it's so much goddamn fun. Like I just, I just fucking love it. So for me, it's just, I guess for some people that maybe it's just I'm super outgoing or I have no idea why I am like that. But I know that some people that's insanely draining for them. Like they fucking hate talking to fans and signing shit and interacting with people. And that's just like a drag for them. And for whatever reason, for me, that's like a superpower for me. I just fucking love it. It gives me energy and I just love it. So yeah, it's not, it's not, it's no bullshit for me. I just truly love doing it. And I'll spam people. Like some people don't even want my fucking signed poster, but you're, ta- you're taking this thing anyways. Like take this thing. I'm going to shove it down your pants. <laughs> <laughs> well, I assume, I assume then if you're talking about uh, competitions, you know, like doing one off or maybe two off during the year, I'm assuming that uh, Filthy would be on your list at some point then over the next four or five years as well. Absolutely. Um, so we'll finish with a quick fire. Um, so there are uh, more, main, mainly either or. Um, so clean or snatch? I'm not good at either, but I like to snatch more. <laughs> uh, regionals or semifinals? Regionals. Uh, ski or run? Ski. Uh, espresso or pour over? Oh. God, what day of the week? How many have I had? If I had to pick one forever, a good pour over it has to be a good pour over. If, yeah, a good fair. pour over. That's fair. Uh, dumbbell or barbell? Barbell. Uh, coach or compete? 
coach. And favorite competition you've done? Fittest in Cape Town. Oh, why so? I was sure you were going to say West Coast Classic. Yeah. It's a t- oh, man, every competition's different. Um, Fittest in Cape Town. Fittest in Cape Town was a validation for myself. Uh, so up until then, I had competed through regionals was a setup because fitness in Cape town was the first thing in 2019. Yeah. And it was the first event or the first uh, year where you had the sim or the, what, what do they call those? The sanctionals? Sanctionals. sanctions. Yeah. yeah. They had the first, um, they had the first, so that was the first year of that. So up until then, every time I'd qualified for the games was through regionals. And with the region that I was in is people always said, oh, the fucking, you know, the, this region is hard. This region's easy. And I was in one of the regions that people said was an easy region. And, um, you know, maybe that had validity. Maybe it didn't. It's hard to say. But so when I qualified for the games previously, that's how it was through that regional. And it always had that in the back of my mind. Like, I didn't know, like, could I do this in other against a different crowd? And so then they announced the goddamn sanctional season. And I will, I think everyone who went to South Africa went to South Africa because we thought nobody's going to, the, you know, making that huge trip to South Africa. Funny enough, fucking everybody shows up to South Africa. So the, the, the field was incredible in South Africa. Like there was, and they only took one. You had to win the event to get to the CrossFit Games. It wasn't like, oh, you can take second. Like, no, there's no, you have to get first. And I had a hell of a battle with uh, Cole Sager. Me and him were trading back and forth the whole time. And there was some, I think that the same thing, there was like 11 uh, CrossFit Games athletes or some stupid shit there. There was a lot. And it was a, such a, and I, I felt like I executed that weekend perfectly for me. I won't say perfectly, but I executed it to the best of my abilities. And there was a, I, I will never forget the tipping point where there was two events left and I was tied with Cole um, within negligible points, essentially. And there was two events left. There was the one, it was, a, it was like a row 30 calories, handstand walk, ski 30 calories, handstand walk with an obstacle, biker 30 calories, done. It was that that was the second to last event, and then the final was not announced yet. But just due to the programming and whatnot, I was pretty positive it was going to be thrusters, which we've already covered. I fucking hate thrusters, and uh, Cole is amazing at thrusters. So I knew in my heart that if I did not separate, if I didn't beat him in that second to last event, that I was probably not going to win and go to the CrossFit Games. And so I laid my fucking soul on the line. I'd never been on a Concept 2 bike at that point. And I, maybe I had one time at Brazil. I can't remember which one was first. I don't even know at this point. It doesn't matter. I think it was the first time. Yeah, it was the first time I'd ever been on a bike. So I hadn't even, didn't even have it in a warm-up area. So like, 
I never touched a goddamn concept two bike. And so for whatever reason, it doesn't make sense. Cause now when you think about it, it's like the same monitor. So it probably counts the same way as like a rower. And everybody knows you can't sprint 30 calories in 15 seconds on a rower, but you can on an echo or a saw bike. So I, I get, I'm going everything I got. I finished the ski and I go, I handstand walk and there's the obstacle and Cole comes down. He comes down halfway in the handstand walk. He comes down, takes a break. And I was like, this is, this is my shot. And I went unbroken. And then I got to the biker and I ramped that fucking thing up dead sprint as hard as I could. And I was like running out. I said, you know, when you're sprinting, you're just giving everything you can. And all of a sudden you look at the monitor and I was expecting to be close to the end. And I was like nine calories in. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Uh, like I was spent and then Cole gets on and I was panicked because I know that he's a, a, a high output dude. And I'm like, oh fuck, like here he comes. He's about to sprint and catch me. And so I legitimately emptied my tank entirely, waddled across the finish line. And apparently uh, Tim Paulson, I didn't even see him in there. Like, he was ahead of us. And he beat, He won the event. But I had beat Cole, and there was like three or four people that had gotten in between me and Cole. And I was so fucked up after that event. I puked on a judge's shoes. I puked on my own shoes. I was puking in the field. I was during the um, the uh, the briefing of the final event. We're on this field under the rig. I'm on all fours moaning, just vomiting, not moving, and couldn't even hear the briefing. And they're like, Sean, like, are you okay? Like, do you need medical attention? And I was like, no, no. And I was just a pile of shit. And uh, then on the thruster event, the next event, um, which I, like in warm up, I just ruined my life. And this is only like 45 minutes later, we're about to do the final. And so I'm warming up. I'm like, I don't even think I can do a thruster at this point. And I ended up coming in second place on the final. Cole beat me and he was first and I was second. And when I put that bar down and I ran across that finish line, I knew that I'd locked it in and I'd showed myself that it wasn't, that I was truly capable of this. You know, it's like, it wasn't just the South regional. It wasn't just perfect circumstances. Like everybody was up in the air. It was this new season. And it's like, in my first opportunity, I went and I, I executed and I showed myself that I really could be one of the best. And, uh, that was like a a feeling unlike anything I'd ever felt. You know, it was it was just different. It was it was like uh yeah. So anyway, so I was just proud of my efforts and um that that was probably my favorite competition experience, probably. Either that or it's one ah man, there's so many good ones, but I'll I'll go with that one. Yeah, it's good. It's good to have a difficult decision to make on, I guess. Um well look, thanks uh for giving us so much of your time. I really appreciate it. Best of luck with um married life and just your retirement and hopefully it's not for too long and uh best luck with starting a family and you know building your business and everything I'm, I'm really excited for all the things you can do off the competition floor um and i'm sure you'll be as successful as you were on it so yeah thank you and uh, enjoy the rest of your day all right man thank you so much for having me